0: Hey, good morning, my name is Jeremiah. I'm one of the pastors here at Westbridge. Awesome to have you with us. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us in the parent viewing rooms and online. Uh, Great to have everybody with us. Before we jump into the talk today, I want to make you aware of something. Uh, Every single week we have a whole team of people, an army of volunteers that helps us pull off what we do. Particularly uh, one of the arenas that that happens is with our creative team. And our creative team is comprised of people who are running cameras, they're running the lights, they're running the sound, uh, they're putting the words on the screen, they're helping with our online broadcast, they're hosting online, and there's a whole whole range of uh, different volunteer opportunities there, and we need some more people to join that team. We want to keep providing quality uh, services, and not only here in the room, but also online, and one of the best ways to do that is just have people jump in and volunteer, and we'll train you for those positions, but if you think, man... That would be a fun team to be a part of. You would be correct. And we want you to jump in and, uh, and serve in that way because uh, you'll find it, it'll be a great team to be on. And also uh, because we just need some more hands helping making sure that we're able to pull that off every week. So here's what that looks like. If you'd say, I'd love to even just explore that, uh, you're going to see in the lobby some people wearing this badge. It says, next Next steps. And if your next step is to uh, jump in into the creative team, there's a whole area right outside, big wood wall. It says next steps on it in big white letters. Go right to that area. Find somebody wearing this badge and say, hey, I heard that uh, you need creative people on the creative team. And then uh, they'll be like, are you creative? And you're like, no, I'm not very creative. Listen, you don't have to be super creative. We're going to train you. But we need... we just. We just want people to jump in and help with that. And um, it really is a fantastic team. And so if that's your next step, would you do that? Would you consider joining that team, being a part of that? Uh, You'll love it and it will help the church in a tremendous way. So that's that. All right. Today we're starting a new series called Your Future Self Will Thank You. I love this because here's the truth about every single one of us. As the name suggests, all of us have a future self, don't we? All of us have uh, the future version of ourselves, and that future self is either going to, based on the decisions we make today, come back and say thank you to us, or that future version of our self will want to come back and kick our butts, right? Like, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you spend that? Why did you say yes to that invitation? Why did you go there, right? Why did you make that decision? And the reality is, if your current self could jump back into the DeLorean and go back in time, what would you say to your past self? I think that there are some areas of our lives where we would say thank you. I think that there are some areas of our lives where we would say to our past self, "Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't say yes to that invitation. Don't spend that money. Don't don't make that remark. Don't don't accept that job. Don't don't do that. Don't move there. Don't do this. Because uh, I think in reality, as we look back, we recognize that. Our current self has been shaped by the decisions our past self made. And I think my hope is that every one of us would also have somewhere along the way some decision that we made in the past that we could go back and say, man, thank you for making that decision. If I could go back to my my past self and say, there's a couple things along the way that I'd say... Thanks for making that decision. I'm reaping the benefits today of the decision that you made all those years ago and all those months ago. And, and while we can't go back in time and we can't undo any of the decisions we've made, what if we could start today and we could start to make the kinds of decisions that cause our future self to say thank you? What would that look like? Thanks for making that decision. And here, here's what we're going to do through this series. is We're going to look at different areas of our lives where our future self will thank us if we start to make good decisions in those arenas now. Now, it's important to know we're going to look at the scriptures for this. So even if you're not a Bible person, even if you're not a church person, there's still some great wisdom and truth to be found there. And uh, it's important for us because this is not a series of let me give you Jeremiah's wisdom. Okay, it's not about that. Uh, In fact, let me me tell you why. Uh, A couple weeks ago, actually last week, we were uh, having a bonfire at our house. And we have a bonfire pit, and uh, there's, there's some chairs out there. We were roasting some hot dogs, having a great time. And uh, I was roasting a hot dog. I mean, I'm telling you guys, I'm like a master roaster in a fire. Okay, I get it down there by the embers, slow cook that sucker. I mean, it was good. And then you flame broil it right at the end, get a nice char on the outside. And I, was, I set my stick down on the table next to the fire, and I went to it, and I was enjoying this hot dog. So good. So good. And then my wife said... Hey, we had some, some kids around and said, hey, there's another pack of hot dogs. We open that up. We're gonna start, uh, everybody's gonna be roasting hot dogs. And so I grabbed, I thought, I'll just grab my stick, I use the sharp end to cut through that. What did not occur to me was that I had that stick in a blazing hot fire for the last 10 minutes. And there's like a three-second delay from the time you touch something really hot to the time that your brain actually tells you, hey, dummy, you're touching something really hot. And so I grabbed it like this, and I started to open it, and I went, sweet. And I'm telling you, I burned my hand worse than I've ever burned myself in my life. I've never burned myself this deeply. In fact, um, I, I don't have a thumbprint anymore. It's gone. I, it is out of the, it's gone. Completely, completely off. I like branded myself. And uh, so I grabbed the stick and I immediately dropped it. I was dying. I'm like, this hurts so bad. I said, chair, this is the worst I've ever burned myself in my life. And so I'm inside, you know, we we sat around the fire. I've got ice. I'm holding an ice pack in my hands like this sitting around the fire. And then I couldn't sleep. It hurt so bad. It would keep me awake. My thumb. Isn't that ridiculous? And my wife goes, let me get you a bowl of ice water. And I was like, a bowl of ice water? Okay. That doesn't even make sense to me. But okay. Oh, my gosh. It was so, it was relief. And she put it on the end table next to the bed, and I'm sleeping with my thumb, <laughs> probably with this look on my face too, just, oh. and and honestly, and then I would doze off and I would fall asleep, and my thumb would come out of the water, and then I would wake up in pain. It literally woke me up, and then I would go, and it would almost sizzle, like. Psss. I'm surprised the water didn't start to boil from the heat coming out of my thumb, you know. And finally, about three in the morning. I finally, like it finally started to go away and the pain subsided enough where I could fall asleep. Unbelievable. So here's my prayer throughout this series is that you learn wisdom from God's word and wisdom wisdom from the scriptures and not wisdom from me. Okay, so... Through this series, I want us to learn the wisdom that comes from God and what He has to offer. In fact, there's a man named Solomon, and uh, he was a young king. Uh, He's uh, ruled about 3,000 years ago in ancient Israel. And at the time that he became king from his father, King David, uh, he was uh, granted this prayer. And God said, whatever you ask for, I'm going to give it to you. And Solomon, instead of asking for, you know, three more wishes or uh, wealth or fame or power, he said, look, I, I feel inadequate to be the king. And so I just need wisdom to lead your people well. And God said, okay, not only am I going to give you that wisdom, but I'm going to give you all the things you didn't ask for, the wealth and the fame and the power as well. And so uh, Solomon begins to write down this wisdom to pass on to his own son when he becomes king one day. And that's where we get the book of Proverbs. And Listen to some of these verses from King Solomon. These verses aren't on your outline, but he writes this. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. In other words, Solomon says, if you live a life guided by wisdom, your future self will thank you. And I think it's amazing, based on burned thumbs, that uh, Solomon personifies wisdom as a female. What do you know? He knew something, right? (laughs) And folks, here's the reality. We need wisdom. And here's why this is so important. Did you know that studies say that the average person uh, makes about 70 decisions every single day? 70 decisions every single day, that's about 25,000 decisions every year, or about 2 million decisions that you'll make in the average lifetime. So when it comes right down to it, your life is really the sum of your decisions. Your life is the sum of the decisions that you're making. You make your decisions, and then your decisions make you. Now, think about that. That's a lot of decisions. Now, most of those, conse- most of those decisions are pretty inconsequential, right? It's like, okay, uh, do I wear the skinny jeans or the bell bottoms? <laughs> do I wear the V-neck? How deep should I let that V go? Uh, what should I have for breakfast? What should I have for lunch? Pretty inconsequential decisions. But here's where our decisions and our understanding of wisdom can steer us in the wrong direction. Oftentimes we buy into this notion that if I'm going to have wisdom, I just need to have more experience or I need to have more information. If If I had enough information, I would have a lot more wisdom. If I had enough experience, I would have a lot more wisdom. But wisdom doesn't always come from information or experience. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Wisdom does not equal information or experience. Wisdom equals choosing the right path. Wisdom does not automatically come from more information or from more experience. Wisdom comes from choosing the right path. And here's how I know that. Because I've had plenty of information in my life and I've had plenty of experience in my life and I've still made some unwise decisions. In fact, I could look back at the most unwise decisions that I've ever made in my life. And I could tell you that the reason I made an unwise decision in that particular arena or in that particular season of life was not because I needed more information and it wasn't because I needed more experience. It was because I was emotionally attached to something down this path. I wanted whatever it was down this path. And all the information in the world and all the experience in the world wasn't going to keep me from making that unwise decision. Most of my unwise decisions were not made because of a lack of experience or a lack of information. And every decision that you make is not simply a decision in the moment. This is why this is so critical to understand. It's why throughout the book of Proverbs and and the Psalms, when they talk about choices and talk about decisions, they often use the words path. Or way. Because life is not static. Life is movement. Life is fluid. And so when you make a decision today, it actually sets you on a path. And, and it brings you to a destination. Life is paths. Life is ways. Decisions are movement towards a particular destination. And when we think about that, it's true. When you think about this, uh, when we were growing up, uh, when I was a kid, our family vacation every year would be to go to Muncie, Indiana. I was born in Muncie, Indiana. Lived there for a whole six weeks. And then we moved to, uh, when I was a kid, we lived in southern Minnesota, almost next to the Iowa border, Wells, Minnesota. And and we would go every year. We'd drive down to Muncie, Indiana, and we would... um, Take the station wagon, mom, dad, four kids, load up the station wagon. So mom and dad. And then typically uh, my sisters would sit in the middle seat. Then there would be luggage packed up to the absolute ceiling. And then in a back quarantine section facing the reverse, trying to avoid eye contact with all the other drivers would be me and my brother. <laughs> Driving backwards the whole way to Muncie, Indiana. And, uh, and then we'd switch seats throughout the, the trip. But uh, my dad would typically drive. And then, I'll never forget this, this one time we're heading home and my dad was sleepy and my mom said, hey, I'll I'll take over, I'll drive for a couple of hours, give you some rest and we want to make sure we get home. And and so we're driving along and somewhere in uh, in Wisconsin, uh, many of you are familiar with this, there's this split where you stay to the right to go to the Twin Cities and then you veer off to the left and you can take uh, that freeway down to southern Minnesota, which is where we lived. And right by there, um, there is a, uh, as you're on 94 heading to the cities, there's a large moose by one of these um, uh, gas station rest stop areas. And, And so my mom is driving, my dad's sleeping. My mom, instead of going to Southern Minnesota where we lived, stayed heading towards the cities. She's just driving along, having a great time. My dad's sleeping next to her. And a couple of hours later, Dad wakes up. Where are we at? What's going on? Where are we? We pull over by the moose. Forever in my life, every time that I've driven past that moose, I remember this now because this is such a big deal. Because my dad, was, was he just took it so well, so well. Not frustrated at all. And, uh, and so there we are. We're way out of the way. And, and here's the reality. It wouldn't have mattered... How much, it wouldn't have mattered my mom's intentions. It wouldn't have mattered that she, if you would have asked her, she would have believed. She believed she was heading the right direction. But just because she believed she was heading the right direction, it didn't change where we ended up. And her intentions, she had had the best of intentions, but her intentions did not change where we ended up. Your intentions and your beliefs don't change where you end up. What makes the difference is what path you are on. What road you're on ultimately leads to the destination. And the truth is that for most of us, if we're honest, oftentimes in life we end up at a destination because we never stopped to think when we first got on that road, where is this actually leading? Where is this road actually leading us? But wisdom at its simplest is connecting the dots, understanding the correct path to take. It's discovering how your choices ultimately, your choices today ultimately affect your future. And oftentimes, here's what we do. We make a choice. We make a decision. We we head down that path. And we don't think of it in terms of direction and destination. And then we arrive at that path's inevitable destination. And then we go, hey, how did I end up here? This isn't what I wanted for my life. This isn't what I wanted for my marriage. This isn't what I wanted for my career. This isn't how I wanted my relationship with my kids to end up. How did I end up here? It's because you've been on that road the whole time. But you never stop to consider, this this isn't just a choice I'm making today. This is actually a path that leads to a destination. Which means my current choices, the choices I make today, will create my future reality. In the same way that the choices I made in, in, in my past have created my current reality, the choices I make today are shaping my future. I'm moving down a road towards somewhere. It's not a coincidence that you are who you are today. Who you are today is a direct result of the path that you chose when you were younger. And what you choose today will impact who you become tomorrow. And the wise are able to connect the dots. Wisdom says, I'm able to connect the dots between the decisions I've made and how it affects me tomorrow. And the fool says, how did I get here? In Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon writes this, If you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. God created us to walk this path of life and to do it well and to thrive. And this verse says, without wise choices, it can actually cause you to limp through life. And some of you, maybe you've come in here today and you've you kind of limped in here today. You're limping a little bit this morning. Maybe you're limping along in your marriage. Or you're limping along in your career. Or you're limping along in your finances. Or you're limping along in your relationship with your kids. You're limping along in your spiritual life. And your, your soul feels empty and dry. And, and the principle is you don't have to limp through life, no matter where you find yourself along the road. So, I want you to know this. You can absolutely start today. You can absolutely start today. That regardless of the choices that you've made in the past, that doesn't define you. That you're not defined by what you've done in the past. That you can start today and make new choices and reshape your future and get on brand new paths. And God wants to redeem the choices you've made in the past. And God wants to give you the wisdom to begin shaping your future. And I want you to know it's never too late to start down a new path. Because God never works with what should have been. God works with what is. God is way more concerned with your future than he is with your past. You need to know that. So, regardless of what season of life you find yourself in, the goal of this series is to help us create some habits, help us learn some principles that when we get to the future, our future self will say thank you. So, let's jump in. Your future self will thank you if, number one, you evaluate the direction your life is headed. If you evaluate the direction your life is headed. See, life is a series of decisions, and these decisions are paths, they lead to a destination. And if that's all true, then you've got to ask yourself, do I like where this path is headed? If I continue down this road, and I continue to make this decision and this decision, this this is the trajectory that these decisions have led. Which means ultimately it's going to bring me here. And is that somewhere that I want to end up? And the problem is, in our culture, we tend to evaluate that in a couple of ways that really don't make a lot of sense. One is this. Is there anything wrong with it? Is there anything wrong with it? And here's what we think. If there isn't anything wrong with it, if if the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not, if there's not a verse for it, if God doesn't speak to me directly, if there isn't some kind of uh, law against it, then it must be okay. But when we convince ourselves there's nothing wrong with it, I mean there's nothing wrong with it, there's nothing wrong with it. I can tell you most people who end up somewhere they didn't want to end up they they get there by going through a series of there's nothing wrong with it decisions. Well there's nothing wrong with it. But I can tell you just because there's nothing wrong with it doesn't mean it will lead you to where you want to go. That's a horrible way to evaluate decisions. Just because there's nothing wrong with it isn't going to lead you to that picture of your preferred future. And we have to start thinking differently about how we evaluate our lives. Uh, there's a song by Twenty One Pilots called "Fairly Local," a great band, and every once in a while, a band really taps into the just human nature and the human existence. Not all artists do this. You won't hear me like quoting Justin Bieber anytime soon. But uh, in the first verse, he writes, "This I'm evil to the core. What I shouldn't do, I will. They say I'm emotional. What I want to save, I'll kill. Is that who I truly am? I truly don't have a chance." Tomorrow I'll keep a beat and repeat yesterday's dance. He says, this is just human nature. It's just who I am. Tomorrow I'm gonna play the same beat. I'm gonna keep going down the same path. I'm just gonna repeat the same dance. There's no way for me to get out of this cycle that I'm in. But then he gets to verse two and he flips the script and he writes this: I'm not evil to the core. What I shouldn't do, I will fight. I know I'm emotional. What I want to save, I will try. I know who I truly am. I truly do have a chance. Tomorrow, I'll switch the beat to avoid yesterday's dance. Tomorrow, I'm going to switch the beat. I'm going to avoid yesterday's dance. I'm not stuck in the routine that I'm in. I can get on a different path. There is hope for me to get on a different path. And in fact, King Solomon wrote this about 3,000 years ago. He says this, A prudent person or a wise person sees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton, which is a very nice word for the fool, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A wise person looks down the road and they see, that's not really where I want to head. There is danger up ahead. I need to change course. But the simpleton or the fool just goes blindly on. They go, oh, it's fine. It'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll deal with that when we get there. Eh, it probably won't affect me. Odds are I may not have to deal with it. I'm not in the mood to deal with it. Wisdom suggests that you look down the path that you're on and ask yourself, do I want to go where that is leading? And if the answer is no, then you have to take action. And it's not just, is there anything wrong with it? Sometimes we also evaluate our lives, the direction of our lives based on other people. We compare ourselves to other people. And we we don't actually ask, is this even the path that I want to be on? We're just with a group of people who are moving down that path and we're like, hey, this is kind of how the world works. I guess this is the next step I should take. But here's the question you've got to ask yourself. When it comes to marriage, do I want my marriage to look like everybody else's in our culture? When it comes to my finances, do I want to have it look just like everybody else's in our culture? When it comes to parenting, do I want it to look just like everyone else? When it comes to generosity, do I want it to look just like everyone else in our culture? But by evaluating the direction your life is headed, you ask a completely different question. You you say, okay, not is there anything wrong with it, but instead, what do I want my future self to look like in this area? What do I want that to look like and what path do I need to be on that leads to that destination? Because the prudent look down the road, they see danger and they take precaution. The simpleton just goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So last week, my son who's six years old, he comes downstairs... My wife and I are sitting at the table and uh, we've, we've done the whole wake all the kids rigmarole and getting everybody going, right? And, and my six-year-old is the first one downstairs. He's wearing some sweatpants and a T-shirt. And I go, looking good, buddy. I like your sweatpants. And he leans over to my wife and I and almost as if it's a secret and he goes, I have six pairs of shorts on underneath. <laughs> and we both were like, what? Like, <laughs> I, I felt like he's just making it up. And I, I said, He goes, yeah, I have six pairs of shorts on underneath. And then he kind of sits back like like he's pretty proud of it, you know. And and so we're both just like kind of stunned. And almost, I didn't believe him at first. And I said, well, dude, why are you wearing six pairs of shorts under your sweatpants? And he goes, if anybody tries to punch me in the leg, I won't even feel it. (laughs) And we just... We looked at each other and we were dying laughing. And then that leads, you know, the, the wheels are spinning here for me. And I go, well, buddy, is someone punching you in the leg? Are you, is this happening? Are you getting punched in the leg? And he's like, nope. But if they ever try, I'll be ready. <laughs> You're right there. And so the prudent foresee danger... And take precaution. I said, buddy, you are ready. If anybody tries to punch you in the leg, you, you got it. So evaluate the direction your life is headed. The prudent foresee danger and take precaution. The, whiz, the, the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Is your life headed in the direction you want it to head? Secondly, admit that you need God's wisdom. Wisdom at its very core is ultimately an act of humility. Because at some point you have to acknowledge, I don't know what's best for me. At some point you have to acknowledge, I I don't see it the way and from the same vantage point that maybe other people see it. And you have to acknowledge, I don't always know. And here's how I know that that's true, because all of us have this, don't we? Uh, If you're honest with yourself at some point in your life, isn't it true that you can think back to a time in your life where you made a decision that you were sure would make you happy? You were sure it would bring you joy and contentment and satisfaction. You made that decision, and then when you experienced the outcome, you realized that was the wrong decision. All of us have that, don't we? All of us have things we wish we wouldn't have said. We have things we wish we wouldn't have done. All of us have money we wish we wouldn't have spent. We have invitations we wish we hadn't accepted. If we look back at our life, all of us have at least one decision that we look back at and we thought, man, this is going to be the right decision. And it could have been a relationship that we got into. It could have been a a job that we accepted. It could have been an invitation we accepted. It could have been money we spent. And we experienced the outcome and we realized at the time what seemed like the right thing was the wrong thing. We all have some of that. And then we also all have probably one of these at some point in our life, maybe a few, where... We thought we were making the right decision and this is going to be a great decision for us and this is going to bring us happiness and joy and contentment. And right when we were about to, this decision we were going to make was about to go through, that decision fell through. And we were disappointed and we thought, oh man, that's such a bummer. I really thought that was going to be the right thing. And then six months later or a year later, we realized, I'm so glad I avoided that decision. And we thought in the moment that it was going to be a right thing, but it ended up not being a great thing. And then later on, you're like, I'm so glad that fell through. I'm glad we're not locked into that anymore. Do you know what we've all just admitted? That sometimes we don't always know what's best for us. That sometimes there's a different vantage point, there's a different lens, and we don't always see through that lens. And at least once or twice or a few times in our lives, I think we would say, I was sure I knew what this would bring me, and then the outcome turned out differently. And it proves we don't always know what's best for ourselves. And sometimes we have to lean into, what does the scriptures say? What does God say? What does godly counsel say? What does the Holy Spirit say? And then, how many of you have ever watched someone that you love, someone that you know, someone that you care about, and they're making a decision, and you know, you're looking at it from the outside looking in, and you go, oh man, I know exactly where that path leads. I know exactly where you're heading. And you're heading to a destination I know you don't want to end up in. And you even try to warn them and you try to tell them, like, look, don't do that. That's not the wise thing for you to do. It's going to lead you here. And they go, I appreciate the input. I know you care about me, but it's my life and I'm making this decision. And then you watch as they head down that path and they arrive at that destination and it fills them with regret. And here's what we just intuitively, what life tells us, that we don't always know what's best for ourselves. We have limited Capacity to understand the weight of what hangs in the balance of our decisions. Because we're human. In fact, in Proverbs, Solomon writes this. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. And how many times have you said that before? Well, it seemed like the right thing at the time. It seemed like the right thing to say. (laughs) It seemed like the right thing to do. It, it seemed like the right thing at the time. And oftentimes we hear this phrase in our culture. Well, you just got to follow your heart. Ugh. If I had a dime for every time I heard that, right? I just got to follow my heart on this one. I'm just going to follow my heart on this one. And mostly I've heard that on The Bachelor. <laughs> I'm just, just going to follow my heart. And they have such a smashing success rate. And the point is that In the emotion of the decision decision making moment, we don't always make the wisest decisions for ourselves in the long run. And every single time that I've walked down a path that I shouldn't have walked down and made an unwise decision, it was because I was following my heart, right? And, And I became attached to something emotionally down this path and I ignored wisdom. So the first thing is just I need to admit, God, I'm in need of your guidance, I'm in need of your wisdom. I may not always know what's best for myself and the good news is God really wants to give you wisdom. James the brother of Jesus writes this, if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So we recognize a lack of wisdom has actually hurt us in the past and that God actually promises to give us wisdom if we'll ask Him. So the first step is just to admit, I need your wisdom. Evaluate the direction my life is headed and then say God I have to admit. I don't always see things the way that you see things. This happens all the time as parents, doesn't it? Like, here I am in my very, very early 40s. And, uh, and I have kids that range from 6 to 18. And when I'm talking to my 6-year-old, there's just some things that he doesn't understand. There's just some things that he's not going to understand that I, I see from a different vantage point because of my life experience. And sometimes it's like, Dad, why? Why? Why, why? And I can't even explain why, right? It's like, I can't explain it to you in a way that you'll understand it, but I'm just asking you to trust me. Do you trust me? Yes. Okay, then just do what I ask you to do because if you'll do what I ask you to do, your future self will thank you. You'll be glad that you listened to me and the way that I tell you to do this. You'll be glad that you listened to me because I'm, I see it from a different vantage point. And that's not, not a, a knock on you. It's not because you're a fool. It's because you're six. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't do the same thing. He's just going, look, just trust me. Just trust me. Just do it my way. I promise you. You'll be so glad that you did. Your future self will thank you. Because we just don't always have the right perspective. So we got to admit, God, I need your wisdom. And then number three, apply the wisdom that God's already given you. Once God gives us wisdom, it's really important that it becomes a part of our conduct. That we put it into practice. Because the difference between knowledge and wisdom is actually applying the stuff that we know. I love what Mark Twain writes. Most people are bothered by those passages of scripture which they cannot understand. The scripture which troubles me most is the scriptures I do understand. And isn't that the truth? I I can claim ignorance on the ones I don't understand, but the ones I do understand, they're the most bothersome because that actually requires my obedience. And here's something I've learned about being a pastor. Oftentimes when people meet with me and they go, hey, I really need to make this decision. I need your your counsel. Oftentimes they're not looking for wise counsel. They're looking for me to confirm the bad decision that they've already decided they want to do. And the thing is, wisdom is shouting to them. They're starting down a path and wisdom is going, hey, don't go down that path. And they're like, man, I need to meet with a pastor. Because if the pastor says yes, then I can ignore wisdom. And I get it. That's human nature. That doesn't upset me. Doesn't bother me. And here's why. We tend to approach God this way. We want God to be a sort of cosmic consultant or life coach, right? And the problem is we're looking for God to confirm the decision that we've already made. That we think is a bad decision, but we're going to make it. And if God, if you can confirm this, I'll feel less guilty about it. Here's what David writes in the Psalms. He says, Your instructions give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God wants to illuminate the path for us. God says, Here's the direction I want you to go. But we have to apply it and actually begin to walk in it. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife used my car to pick up one of our kids, and uh, my car was a padiddle. If you don't know what a pediddle is, that means that one of the headlights is out, and I had already known it was a pediddle for several days. I just, you know, I was like, I'm gonna, I'll fix it. I'm going to get around to it. You know, I'm just a busy week, and you know, whatever, tons of excuses. And um, and so she she called me and she's driving and it's late late afternoon and she's like, Hey, your your headlights are really dim. I said, Yeah, I know. I'm a pediddle. And uh, she's like, Okay. And I said, I know. I'll, I'll get it fixed. Well. That night I had to go pick up one of my other kids from something and uh, I was leaving, it was dark out. I pull out and I'm like, man, she is right. These are really dim. And I knew it was a padiddle, but I came to realize in the darkness that it was actually a double padiddle, uh, which I was told after first service is called a blackout. Uh, I couldn't see anything. And so I had to turn on my, my brights, my high beams and, uh, and drive with those on just everywhere which I can tell you makes you the most beloved person on the road. Everyone loves you. And I know everyone loved me for it because everyone was flashing their lights at me, like cheering me on, you know, it was great. I felt the support, okay. (laughs) And... I just felt horrible. Like I, I'm driving around with my lights on and I'm, everybody's flashing me. And I'm like, I know, sorry, as if they can hear me. And um, I finally pick up. I'm like, man, I gotta get these fixed. This is terrible. So I got them, I took it in the next day, got my headlights fixed. And then of course, that next day after my headlights were fixed, I'm driving down the road and somebody's driving with their high beams on. I'm like, come on, buddy, what's the matter with you? And then, it was, then I realized, oh, maybe maybe he's a blackout. Maybe, maybe both his lights are out. Maybe he's a double pediddle. And I had more grace in that. Split second of a moment. But here's the point. You need lights. When it's dark out, you absolutely need something to shine the way. You need something illuminating the path so that you know where to go. It's pretty dangerous to drive without any lights at all in the dark. And here's what David says. He says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. It's a light for my path. No wonder I hate every false way, every false path. Every path that leads me down a direction I don't want to go. I've come to understand that isn't how I wanna live my life. He says, instead, I wanna follow your instructions because they, they light up the path for me. Here's the reality, God's given us a lot of wisdom in the scriptures, in wise counsel. He, he, he directs us with the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes, for many of us, we make that bad decisions not because of a lack of information, but because of a lack of obedience. It's not that we don't know the right thing, it's that we're more emotionally attached to something down here, and so we wanna go down this path. That feels good in the moment. In fact, most of us have more information than we're currently obeying. See, if we're honest, uh, there's so many Christians, there's so many followers of Jesus who are educated far beyond their level of obedience. And it's not that we need more Bible study or more information or more experience. It's that we need to actually obey and apply the parts that God's already been shining a light on. And myself included. And what happens is when we respond in obedience to the parts that we do know, to the wisdom that we do have, to the light that God has already given us, then God gives us more. In Proverbs, Solomon writes this, the way of the righteous is like the, full, the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day. When you see that, right, and it's the sunrise and it gets brighter and brighter and within 25 minutes, 30 minutes, it's like it's daylight, Right? But then he says this: the way of the wicked is like complete darkness. Those who follow it have no idea what they're stumbling over. And it's like, it's like it's getting darker and darker. And the more you walk down the path of God's wisdom, the more God shines a light on it, the more he turns it up like like the morning dawn. It gets brighter and brighter and it becomes more and more obvious the, the more that you obey and you take that next step of obedience, and you take that next step of obedience. Then it gets brighter and brighter and you start to see this is the path I'm supposed to be on. But when you ignore what God is illuminating then you wander around over here in the dark and you go, I don't understand why it's so dark. And God's going, hey, I want you right here. Why is it so dark over here? I'm stubbing my toe. I'm running into stuff. When you ignore God's wisdom in favor of going down your own path, it becomes more and more difficult to see which path to take. And for many of us, when we make unwise decisions, it's because... We're over here, and God's going. Look, I want you to. I, I'm shining a light right here. And oftentimes, what happens with if you've been around sort of the church for a while, if you've been around Christianity for a while, it can be easy to be like, "Well, I just need. I, I wish we were deeper. I want to get deeper." And God's going. I just want you to forgive your neighbor. I really want to go deeper in the scriptures, and God's going. You know what? I just want you to treat your spouse better. God's shining a light over here, and you're going, hey, "Okay, God, listen. I want to get deeper." And God's going, how about you just love well? I want you to be more generous. And when we ignore the part that God's shining a light on in favor of something over here, the lights actually get dimmer. And we find ourselves on a path we never wanted to be down. Because content doesn't affect your life until it becomes conduct. So what are you doing with the parts that you do know? What is your next right step of obedience? And as you move down that path, the lights get brighter. And brighter and brighter. Number four, submit your life to God's ways. If anybody had the ability to depend on their own knowledge, depend on their own understanding, it would have been Solomon. Solomon had more knowledge, incredible wisdom. He was knowledgeable on every kind of subject. In fact, we're told that kings and queens would travel from distant countries to sit and listen to him talk on a whole, whole variety of different topics. And yet, at one point, here's what Solomon writes. Solomon writes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't just trust your heart. Trust your heavenly Father with your heart. You submit the passions and the desires of your heart to God's ways. How many times have we followed our heart to a dead-end horrible decision? So Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Here's the contrast. When your understanding bumps into God's ways of doing things, you allow God's ways to trump your understanding. Whatever your understanding relationally, God, you know better. Whatever my understanding is financially, God, you know better. Whatever my understanding is for my career, for my marriage, for parenting, God, I'm going to just su- suggest that you know better. And, and if, if ever we come to a contrast where my understanding of a particular area of life bumps into your way of doing things, wisdom would suggest I'm going to go with your way of doing things. I'm going to allow your ways to trump my reasoning. And then Solomon says this, seek his will in all you do. And that little phrase, in all you do, when that's interpreted from the original language, it means in all you do. It's amazing. Now that doesn't mean like, hey, we're going to have dessert for, uh, we're going to have ice cream for dessert. What what kind do you guys want, chocolate or vanilla? And you're like, oh man, I got to pray about it. God, do you want me to have chocolate or vanilla? That's not that. But in the areas of our life where we're, trying to make a big decision, we know it's going to affect our life, in your parenting, in your career, in your finances, in your friendships, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your daily decisions, in the way that you conduct yourself. God, here's my understanding, but what do you think? I want to acknowledge you. I want to submit my life to your way, and if ever my way of doing things bumps into your way of doing things, I want to go with your way of doing things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And Solomon says this, and He will show you which path to take. He'll show you which path to take. When we come to that fork in the road and we have a decision in front of us, before we head down the path of least resistance, and before we head down the path that we're emotionally attached to something down that path, we say, God, what does your way say? And then we follow God's way. We, we pause and we surrender our understanding to God's way. And then... The promise is when we do that, he will actually show us which path to take. He'll actually illuminate which path to take because we don't need more information. What we need is submission. It's not that we need more experience. What we need is more obedience. See, if you were to take me back to the chapter of my life and I were to take you back to the chapter of your life that you regret the most, I don't even have to know your story. I just know that that chapter of my life, that chapter of your life, probably could have been avoided if we would have submitted our understanding of that situation to God's ways. God isn't interested in leading us down paths that cause us to experience regret. And I don't even have to know the details of your story. When I look at the seasons of my life that I regret the most, I know that I could have avoided my biggest regrets if I would have submitted my understanding of that situation to God's ways. Especially in the areas of our life where we think we know better. This is about saying this, God... I think I'm pretty smart in this area, but what do you say? I've got 20 years experience in this, but what do you say? Now, we've been in this relationship for 20 years, but what do you say? Well, I, I, I recognize as an act of humility, there's still some things that I have to learn, that I don't see things the way that you see things. So if open my eyes, and if there's something that I'm, that I'm not seeing, if, I'm, if my way of doing this is bumping into your way of doing things, I want to do things your way. I want to go down that path that you're asking me to go down. Illuminate that for me. And if we do this, our future self will thank us. And if we don't do this, if instead, you know, I'm not going to acknowledge you in these areas. I'm just going to to go ahead and do things my own way. Eventually, here's what's going to happen. We'll go down some paths. We'll, We'll end up at the inevitable destination that those paths lead us to. And then... We experience regret and then we come back to God. And what we have when we come back to God is more regrets and more scars and fewer options. And God opens us, opens His arms, takes us back with open arms. But because He loves us, He doesn't want us to experience that. And so He says, will you just listen to me the first time around? I want to help you. I love you. I'm for you. So regardless of what decisions you've made in the past... Your decisions can be redeemed and God wants to help you move forward. Here's the bottom line. God's will is more about who you're becoming than what you're accomplishing. At the end of the day, when you have these big decisions, well, well, who should I marry and does God have one soulmate for me? No, he doesn't, okay. I'll just tell you that right now because I promise you, if everybody only had one person that was your ultimate soulmate, somebody thousands of years ago messed up the whole chain and it's been screwed up ever since. The domino effect has really, you know, run amok. So, no. Well, does God have one job for me? Like, this is a good job and that's a good job. Which one should I take? God's less concerned about what job you take. He's more concerned about how you handle yourself on the job. God's less concerned with who you marry. He's more concerned with how you do marriage. The minute you said, I do, that person became your soulmate. They are the, they're God's will for you. So now God says, get busy doing marriage the way I asked you to do it. Submit your marriage to God's ways. It's more important than who you decide to marry. Submitting your career to God's ways is more important than what you pick for a career. Being generous with what God has entrusted to you is more important than how much you make. Trusting and submitting your life to God is more important than what city you decide to live in. God's more interested in who you're becoming than in what you're accomplishing. But God doesn't want us to wander through life and experience regret and hope it all works out in the end. He wants us to navigate the paths of life and if we will do this, we'll admit our dependence on Him, acknowledge Him, Apply what He's giving us and submit our lives to Him. He wants to give us the wisdom that will help us to live life in such a way that our future self will thank us. And I got to tell you, one of the best decisions that you can make, it's the best decision I ever made, was to say yes to Jesus. God sent Jesus into this world to show us God's love. To show us what God is like. And in the ultimate expression of love, Jesus allowed himself to be put to death. His body was laid in a tomb. And according to multiple eyewitness accounts, he rose from the dead. So many people saw him, interacted with him, and experienced that love. And that means death is not the end. And that means whatever regrets you have, whatever decisions for your path, it is not the end. Your past does not define you. God is way more concerned with your future than he is with your past. He doesn't work with what should have been. He works with what is. And you, there's hope for you, regardless of what's in your past, there's hope for you to start today and to move forward. That's what God wants for you. And it starts by saying yes to Jesus. And if you've never said yes, death is not the end. You've been invited to be a part of God's family. And if you want to say yes to that, just agree with this simple prayer as we close. God, please forgive my sins and forgive me for the times that I've walked away from you. And I thank you that you never walk away from me. And I've made some bad decisions in my life. It's caused brokenness between myself and you and myself and others. And I just want to say yes to the invitation to be a part of your family. Make me your son, make me your daughter. And uh, help me to submit my way of living life to your way of living life. I surrender that to you. And God, I pray for every single one of us here. We all have decisions that we make every single day. And some of those areas, we have a lot of understanding about how that part of life works. But even in that, May we have the humility to submit our understanding to you, to trust in you, to evaluate the direction our lives are headed. And then to admit we need your wisdom to begin to apply it and to submit our lives to your way of living. And as we do that, guide us. We trust you. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.